you know, the biggest thing, you, and, and it's the hardest part of improvement is your improvement comes based off of your limitations. And for so many people, a, a big limitation is they have a hard time looking in the mirror and saying, I don't do this well. I've got to, I've got to do something to address it. So, you know, I hit a point um, in 2010, 2011, when I really first started getting into to workouts with NBA guys, where I started looking at my workouts and I had my staff and we would have a lot of players going at one time. And I started looking at my workouts and they started looking too similar and they started looking like my growth had stagnated. So my planning wasn't as good as it needed to be. The workouts, they were still good and, and they were still helping players, but it wasn't to the level that I wanted it to be. And from that point on, I just started telling myself, hey, you got to look at yourself in the mirror every day. And you got to say, yeah, yesterday I was an idiot. Today I got to get smarter. I got to figure out some way to help myself improve today. And if I stay committed to that for a long period of time, good things are going to happen. Every single day that I've worked out Stephen Curry from day one to, to when I was just with him a month or two ago, we say the same thing when we walk in the gym every day. We have to walk out of this gym a little bit better than we walked in it. All right, welcome to the Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Welcome, everybody. And today, we're fortunate to have Brandon Payne. He's the founder of Accelerate Basketball. He's an NBA player development specialist, and he's the personal development coach for Stephen Curry. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a little a bit about uh, what that work is and uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, you know, uh, so I, I've been working with Stefan now since 2011. So we're coming up on our, our 10th and 11th offseason together. Um, and it's, it's been a, a process, an ever-evolving process where, it, you know, it started off as we were just kind of working here in my facility in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, doing what we could from a strength conditioning standpoint as well as a, a skill standpoint. And that at that time, that's when I started to really kind of, you know, tinker with neurocognitive development and, and getting more into uh, how learning patterns can affect player performance and how we can speed up the process for players getting better through really working and attacking different parts of their brain at different times of workouts. So, but before that, even, even long before that, you know, back going back all the way to when I was in high school and college, I started coaching, um, you know, uh, when I was in high school, I was coaching with my dad. My father was coaching, um, you know, uh, some 11, 12-year-old players here in Charlotte that were very exceptional. Actually, Stephen Curry was one of the guys we played against at that time, as well as Chris Paul and some other NBA players when they were really young. Uh, so that was a really exceptional time period here in the Charlotte area. And uh, from there, uh, I got into uh, to coaching at the college level. Uh, so I, I went to UNC Charlotte for one year. Just wasn't a great fit for me and decided to uh, transfer to Wingate University, which is a small school here in the Charlotte area. Um, when I was there, I had kind of the opportunity to either walk on and play basketball for the university or the coach at the time said, listen, you know, you can walk on, you're not, you're not going to play, you know, you're not, <laughs> so you, you're going to come out here and you, you're going to get beat up and, you know, you, you, you will give you a uniform, but you're not going to play, but I know that you want to coach. 
So I'll give you the opportunity to start doing things in the office and start doing some things from a scouting standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint to help out around here. And so I started doing that. And then that kind of grew into a bigger role the next year at Winget, where I was, uh, was actually doing some on-court coaching as well as advanced scouting and had some other responsibilities in terms of strength conditioning and player development. And, and it just kind of, kind of grew in. Uh, so I did that for a few years and, and really enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, during that process, I, I learned that I'm not a very good assistant. I, I don't I'm not a very good suggestion maker. Um, I tend to operate a little bit better when I'm when I'm making decisions. And after going to the final four a few times where you have these big coaches conventions, you know, and just seeing the career path that guys that were quite a bit older than me that were actually really, really good basketball coaches had not really advanced too far past where they started because it's, it's so much about networking and so much about recruiting. And I saw the guys that were maybe not as good of basketball coaches, but they were really good recruiters that had moved on. You know, I knew that recruiting wasn't going to be something that I did well. So at that time I made the decision to step out of coaching, uh, at coaching at the team level and started doing more individual training and personal training and, and started to really develop the philosophy and the curriculum that I use now with players all the way back in 2000. And so from that point on, it's just been, you know, experience after experience that I've learned from to kind of create um, this player development package that Stefan and I have had such success with over the past decade. And, um, you know, it's been other NBA players too. I've worked with, with quite a few players. I think uh, we, at one point, we had, we put all the player contracts together. We'd added them all up. And I think they were right at 900 million of all the players, player contracts that I've, that I've trained in terms of the total value. So um, wow. it's been, it's been quite a fun run. And, um, you know, and I, I have Stefan to thank for a lot of the, the, the notoriety and, and the success that I've had. Wow. That's impressive. Um, so could you take us back to that, year 2000 and kind of walk us through what you're what's going through your mind at that point and how you progressed yeah you know what was going through my mind is I just I saw all the things that we were asking players to do at that time uh, when I was coaching at the college level you know we're asking of course you got to go to class we're asking them to go to study hall we're asking them to to get the the, the calories in they got to go eat they got to do a lot of different things then we're asking them to practice we're asking them to lift and there's just a huge amount of um, stress put on their daily schedule by being a college basketball player. So at that time, I started thinking that, you know, there's got to be a more efficient way for players to improve. There's got to be a better way for us to kind of attack this to where we can condense the amount of work we're asking players to do to get greater learning benefit out of it. And so that's when I started combining elements of strength and conditioning with elements of skill development to see, okay, how can these things combine to come up with a shorter workout, but give us the same benefit or even, ex or even extended benefit. So I started messing with what we call light load resistance in terms of how that aids in muscle memory and how that aids to develop players quicker. So what I found was that, you know, when we would use bands and things on players, if we would pull them and provide so much load that it actually changed their mechanical movement patterns, we were actually introducing faulty movement patterns to them. So we were taking them backwards. You know, then when we would switch and we would go to lighter uh, resistance and we would do things to where they were still feeling the resistance, but not feeling it quite as much, they were able to get more explosion. They were learning things a lot faster. So at that, that's when I really started to dive deeper into how can we help players learn faster and, and, and become better quicker. And so what were the results of that? 
Well, the results of it were, okay, I need to explore this a lot further. I need to spend more time <laughs> on it. So that, that kind of, that became when I, I decided to step out of coaching and started to do my own, my own sort of testing. And so you fast forward a little bit to 2009 when I opened Accelerate Basketball. So, you know, at that time I still had my coaching network and I still had a lot of players coming in to see me here individually. And, you know, we were able to really expand that quite a bit at that time. So we went from just doing things with bands to where we, you know, we, we incorporated tennis balls. We did things with two balls. We did anything we could do to overload the skill that a player would actually execute in a game would make it easier for them to do in a game. So if we can make the workouts more difficult, having them go through the skills here, when they got to the games, things would be smoother, things would be quicker, be more like second nature uh, when they were trying to execute things in the game. So, um, and we figured that not only with that, but we also figured out that doing the same things with strength conditioning. So if we were able to stimulate people's brains, players' brains as a part of their activation period, we got greater focus and we got greater result in terms of power and force outputs uh, than if we just had them come in here and hop on a stationary bike for 10 minutes to get loose. So by using things to, to really get them into that, that excited state, that stimulated state from a brain standpoint, we got greater results and we, we felt like we were helping play players were getting faster, quicker. You know, when I, the whole reason that I, I developed this philosophy was to bridge the talent gap. That's really what we're trying to do. So there's always a player, a player B comparison. And the way we've always said, okay, player a is the guy that, you know, jumps out of the gym, even if he just got up off the couch. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of guys like that. You know, player B is the guy that really has to, to rely on his skill level. He's got to rely on his decision-making, his basketball IQ to offset those physical differences. And really, that's what, what my training is aimed to do. And that's how it started was to, to level the physical playing field by having players be able to play more efficiently, play more intelligently because of the overloaded state we put them in during workouts. It allows them to move quicker because they're, not, they're taking less steps. They're making decisions faster. So we're bridging that gap. So we're, we're helping players play above their physical ceiling because we're, we're playing in a, at a more intelligent level. Um, so that's really, you know, kind of in a nutshell what we're trying to do. And now it's evolved even more. I mean, we, we've gotten even more specific in terms of how we're, we're training players from tissue manipulation to really training breathing patterns, you know, getting out of core breathing and getting into diaphragmatic breathing, helping players understand if they're using the proper muscles to breathe and their core muscles are freed up to help them be, to be more mechanically sound and mechanically correct when they're playing. So it's gotten more and more detailed and more and more scientific as I, I've continued to go. And it helps when you have players that are intelligent and Stefan's extremely intelligent. So he's able to take the information we're giving him and he's able to really apply it because he asks really good questions. He has the same desire for knowledge that I do. So when you combine the fact that he's a guy who grew up in the NBA, his father played in the NBA. So he saw what that work ethic was like to stay in the NBA for 16 years, has a really high basketball IQ, has an incredible skill set because he handles it so well and he shoots it really well. And then you get him to the point to where he's getting bigger, stronger, faster, and you increase his processing speed. All this is because he is attacking the learning process because he really wants the information as badly as I do. And we've just been on the same page for so long that it's just created an unbelievable working relationship. And it's really given me an opportunity to showcase the benefits of what we're doing and how much, you know, and, and how much it can make a difference. And, um, you know, he, he's just a guy that every night he goes out there, I, I can see parts of what we've done when he plays. And it's so funny. 
everybody, when they come in here and they see little snippets of things on Instagram or YouTube, and, and not everybody quite understands the why behind what we're doing, okay. but when they come in here and they see what we're doing and give them a little bit of the why, and then they watch play, they say, oh, okay, now I see why we did this here. Now I understand why we did because it all starts to fit together. We're very systematic, organized, and progressive in how we approach every single thing we do. We have a system for everything, and we have an explanation for everything. What I've really tried to become as a teacher and a trainer as far as to basketball players, I, if I can't explain everything that's going on in the body from the top down, from your brain down, and from the ground up, then I shouldn't be teaching you. I can't, I might not be able to do it. I certainly can't do it, you know, at the NBA level, and I, I could never play at that level but I've taken the time to learn how the body produces force, produces power, how the body decelerates, accelerates, changes directions, how your core operates and how your brain sends signals down and what we can do to speed all those elements up. And really that's what I've created here is the combination of strength conditioning skill and neurodevelopment. I mean, for obvious reason, Kevin and I are just nerding out on everything you're saying right now because <laughs> Kevin and I actually met when you know studying expert performance and trying to figure out you know from Anders Ericsson this notion of deliberate practice and people mm -hmm. kind of misinterpret what that actually means and what yeah. it takes to be an expert. You mentioned that you develop you have a thirst for knowledge. Where did where do you think you got that from? Um, you know, I think it came from, it honestly probably came from my failure as a player, just because, you know, I loved the game so much and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to continue to play. I wanted to get better, but, you know, I, I always went back and I would always remind myself, my dad was staying on me, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I, I wasn't the best listener, you know, I didn't listen to everything <laughs> he had to say. And I, I wish I had, because things would have been a little bit different, but, um, you know, so I think that my shortcomings as a player not listening to him the way I need to has really driven me to say, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. And so the way that I can become better to help my, my players and, and my children now, my, both my sons play basketball, is I have to wake up every morning and I've got to learn something new. And, I, and whether it's I'm going out and reading uh, an article or, or, or a science-based article or a performance-based article, or if I'm just sitting down watching videos, going through YouTube, going through Instagram, finding something that's interesting that either causes me to question what we're doing, because I think it's important that we see things that say, well, maybe I need to look at this. Maybe I'm not 100% correct about what I've been doing, or things that reinforce my thoughts, reinforce the things that we've done in the past that say, hey, you're doing things the right way. But you know, the biggest thing, and it's the hardest part of improvement, is your improvement comes based off of your limitations. And for so many people, a, a big limitation is they have a hard time looking in the mirror and saying, I don't do this well. I've got to I've got to do something to address it. So, you know, I hit a point um, in 2010, 2011, when I really first started getting into to workouts with NBA guys, where I started looking at my workouts and I had my staff and we would have a lot of players going at one time. And I started looking at my workouts and they started looking too similar and they started looking like my growth had stagnated. So my planning wasn't as good as it needed to be. The workouts, they were still good and, and they were still helping players, but it wasn't to the level that I wanted it to be. And from that point on, I just started telling myself, hey, you got to look at yourself in the mirror every day. And you got to say, yeah, yesterday I was an idiot. Today I got to get smarter. I got to figure out some way to help myself improve today. And if I stay committed to that for a long period of time, good things are going to happen. 
every single day that I've worked out Stephen Curry from day one to, to when I was just with him a month or two ago, we say the same thing when we walk in the gym every day. We have to walk out of this gym a little bit better than we walked in it. And if we can do that over a long period of time consistently, good things are going to happen for us. And that means we have to be able to uh, we have to be able to mentally recognize improvement and improvement takes on a lot of different forms. It can be physical improvement. It can be mental improvement. It can be preparation. You know, whether we, if we come in and not, not every workout's a great one. Sometimes there are workouts that aren't great. Even when you're dealing with the greatest shooter that's ever played, there are days where the ball doesn't go in as much as we want it to in our workouts. And you know, how we improve is we got to look, okay, what, and we look deep at what caused us not to have a great shooting day. What caused, what, what do we do in our preparation? Did we go a little bit too hard yesterday in the weight room or did we, did we, did we not load you correctly from a work standpoint and you're a little bit more sore today than you needed to be? Or did, or did you not take in enough water and did, was your calorie intake over the past few days? Was it not as good or did you not get enough sleep? So you have to be tough enough mentally to be able to di to dissect your performance on a daily basis to locate why things went badly or why things went well. And that's a big part of improvement as well. So it's this idea of incremental improvement. These daily bricks that we lay are the foundation that high performance is built on. And Stefan is a high performance player, one of the greatest basketball players ever. I've had the unbelievable privilege to, to have a front row seat to, to watch every workout he's had in the past 10 years. But it's this brick by brick, day by day approach where we get this incremental improvement that gives us great big gains at the end of every offseason. And that's the challenge, right? When you are working with a high performer, it's not like you're going to see these huge dramatic differences like you did when you Correct. were scale, right? So it is those little things. It sounds like you use a lot of data points. Have you ever felt like it's too much information for you? Well, well it's, it's too much information for the player. So for me as a coach or for me as a trainer, I have to digest all of the information and then I have to place filters. Okay, what does Stefan really need to know? What the, what's important for him to know and what is too much for him to know? There, and there's point that different points of the year, I have different filters. So in the beginning, in the, at the start of the off season, where we're first coming off of uh, 82 games played in the past five years, he's been in the finals every year. So we played 100 games a year. It's been an incredible schedule that we've had to deal with. And so what we sit down and do is we, we have to say, okay, we have to look at all the data because we got micro injuries, we've got fatigue, we've got mechanical failures that are starting to happen because of fatigue or because of injury. So we have to take all the data points into account, whether it's heart rate, shooting percentage, we have technology that tracks the flight of the basketball. It even tells me how deep the ball goes in the rim, whether the ball is two inches left or two inches right when it goes in the rim. It tracks all of our makes and misses. I can look at the heart rate data to see at what point the elevation in heart rate causes us to start missing more shots. I've got technology that we can measure decision-making based off of the lights, the ECs, and how quickly and correctly he makes decisions. And I can compare that to heart rate data to see if, if a decrease in oxygen and an increase in heart rate affects those decisions. So I have to take all of that in. Early in the season, I'm sharing most of that with Stefan early in the offseason. Mm -hmm. As we get closer to the season, I need less of that living in his head. So I only start to share the relevant data points at that point, which has a lot more to do with conditioning level than anything else. Um, it, so it's, it's, it's for me, I just have to filter it correctly. So you mentioned that 
2010 or so is there when you started to really look at your own coaching and yeah. attempting to improve the performance. And then around 2011 is when you started working basically full time with Stefan. Uh, mm -hmm. What happened? And between, other players. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but what happened between 2010 and 2011? Do you attribute it to that mental shift or was it something else? Yeah, you know, it, it was at that point, um, it was really about creating systems. I had to create it. I had all these great concepts. I had all these great ideas and I knew the, the science behind them, but I didn't have things down on paper. I've always been a great, I've always been really good in terms of ideas. I've been good about, I can think of that, think through things really well. I can visually pinpoint things that a lot of people can't, um, that a lot of people would need technology to pinpoint. So, I've, and part of that's because my father taught me so well coming up and I was around the coaches and, and things with basketball mentally always came easy. But between 2010, 2011 is when I got my philosophy down on paper. I started to do things where I was speaking to people. So it forced me to get more organized in my thought process and in my planning process. And we got more organized with how we executed each and every workout. And we had a way forward. We had a way to get from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday. I knew where we had been. I knew where we were going. And I had to bridge to get to each workout. And until that point, it had just been a, a spray of great drills. But when I became philosophically based, mm -hmm. things got systematized and we got really organized. And at that point, that's when my improvement as a, as a trainer, a coach and a teacher really started to take off. And, you know, I was also a little younger then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the younger you are, the more you know, you know, it, 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 you know everything. <laughs> when you're younger and you know I, I was an aggressive coach I was aggressive with how much I thought I knew and uh, it took me you know really like I said monitoring and watching our workouts and really being able to say this is not as good as I want it to be it's not where I want it to be it's got to be better and you know each off season it's not that we make these tremendous leaps in terms of we change a lot of things but if you talk to Stefan he'll tell you yeah each offseason, we've evolved. We've added some things. We've taken some things away. We've taken some things away where maybe initially we thought certain types of drills or certain formats were giving us bigger benefits, and we've taken those things away or we've streamlined them or we've, or we've decreased the reps or the amount of work we do in one area, and we've decided to fill all of our buckets evenly. I think maybe early, early in our, our tenure together, we had some buckets or maybe too heavy, too full, and we weren't filling all the buckets we needed to fill. I think now we do a much better job of getting all the buckets correctly filled at the top so we don't have any spilling over and none, some that are empty. Now we have everything filled at the right level. And so I pulled up a few of your pictures with uh, Stefan. Um, yeah. <laughs> Those are those are pictures that I enjoy more than him probably. Those those are some some of the stuff he's doing there that's pretty tough. So, could you tell us a little little bit about uh, what's going on with these? Yeah. So, I mean, what you're looking at here, like this, this is an example of how we just like we do with uh, with ball handling when we're using tennis balls or when we're using two basketballs or if we have them going through certain footwork patterns or if we're overloading and doing balance work like that. You know, when you look at that first picture where he was using the rower and we had two extra bands attached, that's, that's an overload. So we're, we're trying to make it more difficult. So what he would do, just an example of how we overload and contrast if If he went for, um, you know, a minute with the two bands attached, 
we would immediately remove those two red bands and he would go for 30 seconds with no band attached. And what, what happens is he gets an immediate burst where he feels stronger, more powerful, quicker, because the firing that's happened from brain to body has increased because that light load that we added on top of what would be the normal load has caused that firing to speed up. So when he takes that off, he's gonna feel stronger, faster, and he's gonna get an immediate burst of immediate benefit. It's the same thing like when you look at the next picture where he was going through that balance work. So we do an extensive balance uh, segment each day as a part of our physical activation. You know, we shoot off two feet. So the better we can become in terms of doing different types of tasks, doing different things with the basketball with one foot, and I'm giving him different stimulus at the same time, the more balanced he's going to be able to feel because I get really detailed with him in terms of how we're using our feet. I teach a lot of, of big toe, pinky toe heel, which means we're locating the arch of our, of our foot by placing a lot of pressure on those three pressure points. Mm -hmm. And when you can locate those three pressure points and get that arch really firing, the rest of your body up the chain fires at maximum velocity. So there's no breaks in the chain. But if we have weak activation at the foot level, everything else is going to be kind of segmented or broken up the chain, especially with guys that have power output discrepancies between their left and right leg, which is a very common thing for basketball players. If they can't locate that arch, they can't be balanced and they can't have symmetrical power output, which causes mechanical issues when they're shooting the basketball. So when you're able to really detail that and go over those things with players during a workout or a warm-up period, um, you know, it, it really helps them learn and, and continue to improve at a higher rate because they're very detailed about the process, especially guys like him that ask really good questions. It's, you mentioned the buckets before, and it sounds like mm -hmm. you come at this from a very holistic standpoint. You know, and sure. you're, what you're explaining there makes me think, obviously, you're training kind of the, the physical tactical pieces of the game but also the the mental components of it you know it, it sounds correct me if i'm wrong like you're incorporating some of the research that's been done on brain endurance training and right. you know, the active mental fatigue and stressing the mind to be able to perform better under pressure correct you know and, and to put it in simple terms like with players you know it, it's attention span it's the ability to not suffer from paralysis by analysis some players when you give them too much information or you put them in too many decision-making positions, the brain actually will slow down because they're trying to, um, because they're trying to um, really take in everything and it, it actually causes them to play slower. So we really wanna streamline that process and how we do that is, is through that overload and contrast. And we'll do the same thing um, with decision-making, whether it's, you know, there's certain apps that I can use on an iPad that I'll have them actually doing, you know, math problems while they're doing ball mm -hmm. handling, anything that I can do that causes them to think and have to make critical decisions while they're dribbling the basketball um, is it simulates game action as well as uh, really speeds up the learning process because they get so they get that that brain activity. They're going to be more absorbent. You know, I only have about 90 minutes, even the best players. I only have 90 minutes of really peak stimulation and peak physical activity to get the most I can out of each day. And so we have to systematically continue to go back and re-stimulate, whether it be technology, tennis ball, two ball, something that causes that stimulus to keep them at that peak excitability from a brain standpoint. So they're getting the most out of each workout. And, and that's really the thought process, but I'm a basketball coach. I just, you know, part of the, the, the way that I've been able to help 
and separate myself is through the research of, of everything that I'm doing uh, and really becoming, uh, really becoming an expert in all these fields. And so I'm curious, have you noticed uh, since some of these types of techniques have caught on and been spread out across uh, the league, has the competition, have you seen um, the difference? Well, you know, I'd say basketball in terms of basketball coaches is, is a very, uh, uh, like for all sports at a high level, very ego driven world. <laughs> and, you know, everybody thinks they're right and uh, everybody thinks their way is the best. But the way that I've approached it is, you know, I don't, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get better. There's a lot of different ways to improve. Um, my way is not the only way and somebody else's way and, and it doesn't make my way right and their way, their way wrong. What it really boils down to is how do you apply what you do to the players you're working with? Not every player will work well with my particular approach. The way that I communicate, the way they receive communication, it might not be a good match. Um, it takes you, there, there's a certain type of profiling you have to do from a personality standpoint and from a player player coach standpoint that you have to be able to identify when you start working with players, is this going to be a good match? Because the way that I approach it is, is very cerebral, very well thought out, planned out. There are some guys that just can't quite, it's not grasp They can't quite think that deeply into it because it slows them down. Some guys just got, you know, see drill, do drill, see build. And that's what works for them. But again, when you're starting to really work on guys that have to bridge the physical gap, a lot of times they're very cerebral. They're going to ask the right questions. They're going to receive the information correctly, and they're going to push themselves forward based off the systematic, organized, and progressive approach that we put in front of them. Uh, so it's really just, um, you know, it's identifying that when you start, when you begin to work with players. And, and there's a lot of guys I, I would have loved to have worked with that I worked out for a week or so. And, you know, at the end of that week, I just knew this probably isn't going to be a good match. And it's not – so it, I'm going to save myself the, the headache and save them some money and just say, hey, it's probably not best to pursue this now. So for me, a handful of players to work with, a few of them kind of rotate, rotate in and out throughout the offseason. That's all I can handle is one individual anyway. And Stefan <laughs> is, a, Stephen is, a, uh, is an industry all by himself from the commercials that we've got to do to the camps we do to the different projects we have in addition to getting him ready to play basketball. So, um, yeah, I think it's caught on in some places. I think some coaches are doing some things similar. But, you know, basketball coaches a lot of times are very set in their ways. And, you know, I refer to the phrase of death as this is how we've always done it because it kills innovation. It, it means you've stopped mm -hmm. learning. But there are a lot of basketball coaches that just do things because that's the way we've always done it. You find that on the strength and conditioning side that the thought process tends to be uh, a little more forward thinking in terms of they're, they're constantly trying to learn more. They're constantly figuring out new ways to help players. Basketball coaches, are just, they're, they're coming around. It's just a little bit of a slower moving train than the strength conditioning area. So, you know, I'm just trying to do what I can to speed my guys up and do, and do the best I can with them. So you mentioned a lot of things, you know, that you're, you do that don't involve just actually being out there with, with the athlete. Um, what does a typical day look like for you? For me, you know, when I'm with Steph in the off season, it, it, a lot of times it means waiting around because we have to wait <laughs> to see when he's actually good. You know, we, we do, we have a, a, a block of time each day, but we're not always sure when that block of time is going to come. You know, he's a busy guy and he's, he's a parent. So some of that means waiting around, but we do fill that time 
I fill it with watching films. So we record a lot of our workouts. And so, you know, for, for Steph and I, in our relationship, I can show him certain things and, and he knows it immediately. So there's very little verbal communication. There's not a lot of back and forth. Um, you know, if you came to some of our workouts, we might not say, you know, more than 20, 30 words to each other the whole time, because we just know, you know, I'll tell him the drill or what we're getting ready to do. And then he goes, you know, so if there is something that I have to point out, then, you know, we'll go back and watch the film. So it's preparing things to show him. Um, it's going back, it's watching film of his games through the year and other players uh, through the year uh, to see what teams uh, use to have success against them, how they, if they slowed him down or if he had success against them, you know, pinpointing the things that allowed that to happen. So it's a lot of review and then planning off of that information. So that's another reason why each of our off seasons look a little bit different because each year we have 82 games of information that we have to take into account when we're moving forward. And, you know, whether that be something physically that we have to correct, something from a skill standpoint we have to correct, or something from a decision-making standpoint that we have to work on, all that is taken into account when I'm planning what we're doing. Um, and it, it, so that's another reason why it can't just be the all the way we've always done it, because the information that we're working off of constantly changes. His list of limitations constantly changes because, like I said, every year we have a new set of little micro injuries. We have a new, you know, a new set of bumps and bruises we're working from. And we have a new set of defensive looks that he's going to see from every team that cause us to think, well, maybe we should look at doing this. Maybe we should attack. Maybe we should add some things where you're working with your back to the basket. Maybe we should add, should add some things where you're taking contact at the rim, you know, learning how to handle contact. So those are all things that we're taking into account. So, yes, it's, it's very holistic. you got to look at all aspects. And, 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 again, the bucket filling from mobility, flexibility, breathing, balance, tissue manipulation, static, uh, static stretching, foam rolling, you know, all that's before we've even touched a basketball, before we've even thought about touching a basketball or weight. And I have to find ways to make sure I'm getting all these different things incorporated into our workouts in a way that not only makes sense, but in a way that keeps the amount of time we're working to a reasonable amount. Because again, he has three children and a wife. You know, I can't monopolize his entire day in the off season trying to get him working out. And we passed the point to where we're doing two a day. That's, that's no longer, you know, when you're 11 years in the league, the two a day off season workout is no longer uh, needed and it's also not beneficial because so much of our focus is also on recovery, different recovery techniques. How can we recover better? How do we recover more efficiently to make sure you're as fresh as you can be the next day? So all that stuff's taken into account. And so how much better would you say that those cerebral players such as Stefan has improved your ability? Oh my goodness. I mean, I have to improve at a rate three or four <laughs> times the, the rate that he improved because he masters things so quickly. Uh, so, you know, for me, I have to stay as far out in front of him as I can. And when you've got somebody that improves at the rate that he improves at, you better make sure you're moving forward quickly and you better make sure you're coming up with things that make sense and things that are going to be beneficial on a daily basis very quickly. So you can't let him catch up. If I let him catch up and I'll be out of a job. So yeah, we've got to, you know, I've got to really work to stay ahead. And again, you know, the, the sports performance field, this, the, the industry as a whole is still relatively young. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still an, an evolving thing, just like, identifying learning patterns and using technology for cognitive development it's still new so we're learning more as we're going here so you can't just say well you know i've got this i got this technology i got this technology and that's what we're going to use 
it doesn't work that way because that stuff is constantly changing. Um, you know, I, I, I use one particular product that, that my guys enjoy is called, it's called NeuroTrainer. And, you know, the exercises and the drills within NeuroTrainer change quite often. And, and so, you know, I have to translate to those guys how those drills are helping them because sometimes they have a hard time seeing, well, what is this exactly doing? So I've really got to get in there and go through the drills and really learn it. And, and you know, I got to do those drills. I certainly can't do the basketball drills anymore, <laughs> uh, but I got to do what I can. So, you know, I've got to stay out in front. I've got to do everything I can to, to make sure I'm giving them the information that they need. And I have to take into account how each player receives that information. You know, Stefan, you can shoot like almost like you're, you're firing water out of a fire hose, he can absorb that water, you know, whereas some kids just, they can't, it's just too much, you know, so I've got to make sure again, I'm, I'm shooting the right amount of information to each player, you know, with him, he's so well seasoned and he's, he's so well thought out and he can absorb it all. And I might have to really slow that process down for some younger guys so that that's so it's, it's important for me to make sure that I'm being, you know, agile as well as philosophically flexible. I can't say that, you know, nine years ago, I wrote this philosophy and I'm going to stick to it. I mean, I'm sticking to the format of the philosophy, but I have to be flexible within the content of that philosophy because as new information comes to me, I have to really look back and reflect and say, Hey, is this, is this correct? Or should I, should I adjust what we're doing here? If you think about what you just said and, and you kind of as a performer needing to, to stay on your A game, do you do anything to make sure that you have the, the kind of ability to do that, given that you mentioned you also have children and a life and all that? Yeah, you know, uh, I have, my, my kids are, have now become kind of like my, uh, you know, kind of like my, my test cases in terms of, of how I, I'm teaching things and how I'm showing things because uh, my oldest son is now 12 and, and he's been in this gym with me since he was three, four years old. And so I know when I'm teaching him certain things or when I'm trying to show him certain things, I kind of know which players I have that are similar in their thought process and how they, they receive them, even though he's 12 they receive information in similar ways. So I'm having to think um, about how I'm relaying that information. And it's also, I'm very, you know, every parent is pretty critical of their, their, their kids. And so, you know, through, through my working with them, I've noticed some behaviors and some habits and some physical traits um, that my son has that I've had to work to correct that have actually helped me in Stefan's workouts because I had to learn based off of Carson's limitations, I had to learn how to create a corrective action strategy around his limitations that I actually would notice with Stefan or some of the other guys I've worked with. So, you know, having my kids come in here and help me and, and I'm trying to help them. They don't always want to listen to what I have to say, but I'm trying to help them um, has helped me, believe it or not, as much as anything else, because I've, I've had to I've nobody there was no there's no written book on how you deal with your kids when it comes to basketball every kid is different every kid's set of limitations is different therefore the roadmap and the corrective strategies that you have to develop around each player and each child is different and that's really helped me in the NBA level as well and so what would you view as the key to your success um I mean the, the key to my success has just been that you know the ability to to reflect and the ability to to look at my own limitations and say hey i've got to eliminate this and and so that all kind of goes back to the story i was telling earlier about you know not not listening to my father as well as i should have 
when I was coming up and, and making sure that doesn't happen again. And then another key to my success is the fact that um, I had somebody like Stefan that was willing to take a chance on me and was willing to accept some of these things that at the time might've been considered outside the box, you know, and some people probably still consider it outside the box, but the fact that I could give him the why behind the what made a really big difference. And I, and I, you know, I, I hate this term, but there's, there's guys that we call YouTube or Instagram trainers. They're mm-hmm. just trainers that, that put drills out just for the sake of putting them out that really don't fully understand the why behind the what. And, you know, the drive for me is to continue to separate myself because I can tell you what's going on. I can tell you from a sequencing standpoint what's happening from the ground up and from the top down and how to marry those two languages because that's what performance is. Performance is the ability to physically perform. The best athletes in the world put the most amount of force in the ground while spending the least amount of time there. Best athletes in the world also process the most information in the least amount of time. So you got to be able to marry those two concepts to come up with a high-performing athlete. And, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to, to have been exposed to a lot of different knowledge and a lot of different people. You know, through Stefan, I've, I've gotten a chance to be around the Golden State Warriors on this five-year run. And I've, I've gotten to, to speak to and talk to people like Steve Kerr. And I've got to be around NBA coaches and, and NBA assistant coaches and have great conversations with people. And I've got to be around people like Jay Billis, who's an ESPN analyst here in the Charlotte area. And I've, I've, I've had to the ability to have conversations with him and still have conversations about, you know, why I do what I do and be able to bounce ideas off of them. And so, you know, it's, it's been incredible that I've been able to be a part of, of this network of people. And but a lot of that has to do with Stefan. If he didn't buy in in the very beginning and then all of a sudden he, you know, he, he laid a pretty big foundation for himself before we even got together. But, you know, about a year or two after we got together, that's when his just meteoric, rise took off and and to be fortunate enough to be a part of that process and at the same time be refining how we do things has really shaped how I work now and now that we have that uh that success background as a foundation for what I'm doing it gives you a lot more confidence to be aggressive seeking knowledge it gives you a lot more confidence in being able to do things like this to speak to what we're doing. You know, you find a lot of coaches get really nervous about talking about their process Mm -hmm. because sometimes they don't understand their process quite as well as they think they do. And it takes, again, being able to look in the mirror and say, Hey, I'm really not sure I need to, I need to, you know, I need to look at this further. So um, being able to beat myself up probably, probably helps (laughs) a little bit too, you know, um, and and be, be mentally tough. Well, I think one could not, you can't deny that's one of the best calling cards you could have is uh, the meteor- meteoric rise of uh, Stephen Curry is your part of your work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I, I in no way am, I'm not the reason I think a lot of people try to draw, well, you know, you did this. Well, I mean, I was a part of it. You know, he was, I, I gave him the structure and I gave him the ideas. He was the execution. You know, if he doesn't go through those drills as hard as he went, as he goes, if he's not as detailed, in those drills as he is every single day. You know, none of that happens. So I gave him, you know, as, as much as I could from my standpoint in terms of the, the structure, the idea, the philosophy, and, and he's the one that took it and, and just ran with it and, and really turned it into to what you saw on the court. And then confidence. You know, he once you start having the success that he was having and your confidence starts growing and, and you're already one of the greatest shooters that's ever played and then your confidence gets even better, you know, that's a tough, 
that's a tough combination for people to combat. Sure. Um, and you mentioned too, as, as part of that, you're kind of getting to build confidence through that success and all the data you're looking at and the philosophy you've built. Has there ever been a time though where you've doubted yourself or, or felt like an imposter? No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Um, the data certainly has helped drive home certain points. So, you know, as technology has continued to expand and, and get more into the performance side, whether it's again, shot tracking is a big thing now in terms of we, we have several different products we use to track shooting. Um, we, we have some products that, that track um, some small uh, decision-making stuff. I was able to come up with my own formula for tracking decision-making based off of the information that the, the technology gives us. Um, there's postural alignment technology now where we can take pictures of guys and we can get a better idea from a postural standpoint what's going on. Um, functional movement screening type technology. So we, mm -hmm. we now we have so many things that maybe used to live in this kind of gray area because we couldn't show you. We could only tell you. Now we have the technology and the data points to back up exactly what we're saying. And, you know, what's so funny is, is now, um, so Stefan can tell you, is one of the other talents Stefan has, he can tell you how much he weighs within a half a pound without even <laughs> stepping on a scale that day. You know, now I can kind of tell him just by watching his breathing patterns and watching him move, I can tell him what his heart rate is doing without even looking at the, so we, we both have that. So, you know, knowing that I can look for things from a physical standpoint that give me the information I need without the technology there, the technology and the data points just really drive home how correct you are. And so, um, no, I never, I never doubted myself. It's just that when you were able to put together a series of products that help drive home everything you're saying, mm -hmm. then you become a little bit more comfortable in expanding your field of knowledge and getting deeper into that why. And what advice would you give an aspiring uh, basketball player? An aspiring basketball player? I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, it's a global sport. And there's only so many spots at the top. And, and everybody's top is different. You know, there's only 400 NBA players, 400 some odd NBA players in the world. You know, so that, that's the top is only for that for them is, is, is a very small number. The top for a lot of people is high school basketball. And that's okay. But, you know, to, to remember your why, always go back to that why and be very detailed in your approach because the things that you do from a preparation standpoint and, and learning how to become a, an athlete, even at a high level, at the high school level, can carry you through your professional career and your life. So many things, um, and I'm actually doing now a lot of business coaching. So companies bring me in and I, I draw the parallels between creating a championship level, you know, athletic development program and creating a high level sales and marketing and management program. And there, there's so many parallels between the two. And, and so if you can really learn how to become productive, can learn how to improve on a daily basis, can learn how to have a system, learn how to operate with direct, uh, discipline, direction, and accountability. If you can learn those things as you're becoming a better player, those things are going to carry you through life. And I think that's so important because the ball stops bouncing at some point. So we have to be able to take things that we're learning from this process and carry them forward. So, you know, yeah, I mean, we all want to be Division One college basketball players. We'd all love to, to play in the NBA. I, I would have loved all that, too. It just it didn't happen for me. And, you know, but but you can you can take lessons and you can take things from this process and really 
learn how to carry it forward in life. What about what advice you might give to someone who wants to do what you do or, or kind of be in that field of performance training? The first thing you got to do is you got to be committed to being a lifelong learner. If, if you're not going to be a lifelong learner, it's going to be really hard to move forward in this, in, in this area. You know, the, the second thing I get a lot of, a lot of coaches ask me, you know, how do you get involved in, in coaching NBA players and work with NBA players? And, and a lot of it was just, I was very fortunate. You know, I was just in the right place at the right time. You know, there was a lockout in the NBA in 2011. So players couldn't use their facilities. They couldn't go to their team facilities. So here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we actually have a, a, a large number of players that don't even play for the Hornets. They play for other teams. They just live here. Guys that have and maybe at one time played for the Hornets or guys that grew up in Charlotte. And we just had a really good group of players here that one off season. And we did a good job with them. And from that, I was able to grow and, and really solidify myself in Stefan's career. You know, again, I, I remind people, there's only 400 of these guys in the world. And, you know, a lot of times the guys like me have five and 10 players they're responsible for. So there's even less of us. So, you know, there, there are a lot of ways to, to make a living in performance training and coaching that don't involve NBA players. I mean, if, if you look at the, the pyramid of, of basketball players in terms of where money is there to be made, youth sports is where the largest amount of participants is. There's also where the most emotional purchases are made and parents make emotional purchases. And you know, so that's where the largest amount of money is to be made. If you really want to build yourself a good business. I mean, you know, as a, as a coach, you just want to make sure that you're, you're doing things the right way and you, you can explain to people why you're doing what you're doing and you could, you stay committed to learning more every day. And, um, and, and you don't come off as a guy that knows everything. If you can come off as a guy that's, that's likable and they communicate with your players well, and you can receive communication well, then you can build yourself a nice business. And there's a lot, there's a lot of money to be made working with youth sports in the correct manner. There are a lot of people that abuse youth sports, but if you're doing things correctly and you're in it for the kids, the money will come for you. Where do you fall on the nature versus nurture debate? Kind of give me, give me, uh, give me an analogy basketball wise <laughs> that you want to yeah. kind of think about. So uh, we usually set it up by saying, uh, on one end of the spectrum, there's the, uh, the extreme nature view. So there's really nothing you need to do. You're kind of born with everything you need. An extreme take on the, an extreme take on the nurture side would be you're born with nothing. You have to do everything. And of course, there's everything in the middle. Um, if you yeah. were to put a percentage on those uh, two components, uh, how would you go about that? Well, in basketball, there's 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 a a certain level of physical talent and physical gifts that you must have. And, and you just, you cannot overcome these if you don't have them. We can bridge the gap, but it becomes a certain point to where um, size, speed, power can overtake. And, and until you get up into, um, you know, high levels of college basketball and the NBA, that really doesn't start to get bridged very well. I mean, in high school, you know, one player can win a lot of games, you know, if, 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 if he or she is, is dominant enough physically. So I think there's a minimum level of physical skill that has to be there. And then, you know, then it becomes who's doing all the other stuff. So at that point, I think that the, the folks that are willing to put in the work, the folks that are willing to be detailed, the folks that are accountable about how much sleep they're getting, their calorie intake, you know, that are, that are a pro. We talk about being a pro about everything you do throughout the day. That will carry you a long way in basketball. So you see some guys in the NBA that will get there, and they're, they're immensely talented physically, 
and they've had great college careers, but they just fizzle out in the NBA. Those are the guys that really try to just rely 100% on the physical gifts they had at birth. And the guys that continue to take those physical gifts and then really accelerate them by adding all the, the other work in are the ones that have the most successful long careers. In the NBA, physically, there's very, I mean, there's, they're, they're all great. There are no bad players in the NBA. There's no bad players in the NBA G League. They're all great. And, you know, you have to create these separators. You've got to separate yourself in certain ways. You've got to create an anchor skill. What anchors you to a roster? What, what makes every team in the NBA say, I need this guy on my roster? You have to create that. And then you have to continue to create separating factors that allow you to stay in the league. So if your approach is so important, and, and I know that's kind of like a muddied answer to your question, but I mean, there, again, there's a very, there's a base level of talent you have to have and everybody in the NBA has that base level of talent, but it's the guys that are doing all the other stuff are the ones that stay around the longest and extend their earnings life. You mentioned just, <laughs> it was a great answer. You mentioned just a minute ago that you've started to, to do some business coaching. So I'm curious, what are some ways that you think, you know, what you've learned about um, developing expertise and, and kind of what needs to go into, you know, showing up yeah. as your best self every day? What are some things that map onto a non-sport world? Yeah, so there's just some some you know, kind of phrases that I use, I talk a lot in three word phrases, you know, but the, the three words I use a lot, discipline, uh, direction and accountability, you know, those are things that we have to have in everything we do in, in, in workouts with Stefan and it's what I have to have in everything that I do in terms of planning, you know, his workouts or planning players workouts, you know, we, we've got to have the discipline to sit down learn something, make sure we're filling the buckets. We've got to have the direction. We've got to take the information we have and create the direction based off of the 82 games that we, we just watched. We have to have accountability measures in place to make sure the discipline and the direction are heading in the right places. It's kind of the same thing when you're talking about, you know, working in the corporate environment or working in a sales environment or production, productive environment. You know, we have to have systematic, organized, and progressive planning as a part of that discipline, direction, and accountability. So, you know, I sat down and started talking with a business coach out on the West Coast. And, and as we were having these conversations, you know, he just kind of looked at me and he's like, well, that sounds a lot like what I talk about when I'm talking to, you know, when I'm it's talking true. to, I can say to the salespeople. Same, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, he, and so, you know, what we, we just sat down and we started having a lot of conversations like this. And then we would start comparing notes and, I came up with a couple of presentations that I've, I've made to um, a couple of big companies where I went in and talked to their production teams. And then I've also talked to some small businesses, people that, that operate in uh, mortgage and real estate or financial industries or people that own their own businesses. It's really not so much. There's no real direct, you know, between shooting drills and, and, and closing a sale. But when you're creating systems and you're creating organization, there's a very similar approach. And, you know, one of the things we like to say is, you know, are you, are you a salesperson or are you a sales athlete? Because if you're a sales athlete, if you approach your productivity the same way an athlete approaches, you know, getting better on a daily basis, your pipeline and your closed business is going is to grow exponentially, just like we, our improvement grows. But it's being able to recognize that incremental day-by-day -day improvement uh, that you're able to make the changes you need to make to get the, the desired outcome. And, you know, we talk about things like 
um, you know, make sure you're living in your actions and not in your desired outcomes. There's things that we, we talk about, you know, making sure you're living in the details. We can all talk about wanting to close more business. We can all talk about wanting to be an NBA all-star, but you have to live in your actions because your actions are ultimately what's going to result in, in the desired outcome that you want. Sure. Absolutely. Um, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you feel is important for the listeners to know? No, this is good, man. <laughs> it, it's, this is, is definitely a little bit of a different uh, approach that I've had. I enjoy this, though, because even, you know, honestly, when I have the opportunity to do podcasts and, and have conversations like this, it's a way that I have the opportunity to improve as well, because you're asking me questions and I'm having to think through things differently. So I kind of view this like it's a game or a workout where I'm going to, you know, sit down and, and make a mental inventory of, of what, we talked about and, and how maybe I could have answered something better for you or have maybe would have had a better example for you. So I, I love opportunities like this. And I know I sound like a, a motivational book or something like that, but that's, that's really how I think now. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, maybe if I was a younger person, I might've sat and listened to me and maybe rolled my eyes a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, now that, um, you know, now that I've actually had the opportunity to live this and, and go through it, um, it works. It really does. And it, it's all about having, just the right mindset and, and having a desire and a passion and, and just attacking it daily. Um, good things can happen for you. And, and it's, I've been very fortunate and very, very, uh, very blessed to have uh, Stefan as an ally and a, and a partner as I'm going through this. And the final question, uh, what is the biggest takeaway from your story? The biggest takeaway from my story is that even if you're, you know, even if you, you hit mediocrity at one point, like I did it as, as a player, there's still ways to find, you know, ways to become a little bit better and then hopefully one day be viewed as great. And, you know, so it's, it's not, you know, it's not allowing speed bumps to turn into roadblocks. That's something that I use with players as well Is you know, you, you can hit speed bumps, whether it's in a workout or whether sometimes within an 82 game period, you're going to hit speed bumps. You're going to hit rough patches. It's, it's up to you to whether that speed bump just, just slows you down a little bit or does it stop you. So, you know, not allowing maybe some things to, that, that might bother you uh, to stop you from doing anything, but just to, to really find ways to push through. And then, you know, when you get on the other side of that slow, that little slow patch, hopefully you'll have the knowledge to avoid that slow patch again, and you'll just be able to accelerate right through it. Nice. Wise words. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Coach Brandon Payne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we loved your story and uh, can't thank you enough. Oh, man, thanks for having me. I enjoyed this. Thank you. The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled, all rights reserved.